And welcome to the Dynasty Vipers Vipercast. As you notice, we usually have a video. We are not rolling the video because we know a lot of people are here on their lunch break, and we got a very special guest for you today. We have a we talk about Tom Brady having all these championships, but we've got our very own four-time Super Bowl champion, so to speak, here with us, and the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, Jim Nagy. How you doing, Jim? I'm good, guys. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's a pleasure having you on here. Um, a lot of talk about short period to do it. We want to cram a lot, as much as we can in as little as possible. So without further ado, let's go right into the whole um, Reese's Bowl, Senior Bowl kind of challenges that you faced this year. Because this year was unlike any other year that you faced, especially from the scouting all the way down to the game itself. What were some of those challenges that we're talking about? Yeah, it was certainly a different year, that's for sure. Um, hopefully we're out of COVID next year. Uh, I'd hate to go through that again. But, um, I mean, it was across the board. We just kind of had, uh, you know, sweeping changes of our, our process and our protocols from the scouting end to how we kind of, uh, you know, set up the week. We had to strip away all the events other than practice in the game to make this thing work. Um, all the different testing protocols. So, you know, we started coming up with contingency plans for the game last spring um, through the summer. But really when it started to take form was once football started, you know, and we you could call buddies around the NFL and guys at the college level and ask them what's working, you know, for them, what's not, um, you know, when are they, when are they seeing outbreaks and things of that nature. So really started to kind of hone our, our uh, protocols through the fall and, uh, you know, just had to stay fluid with it. Like everyone's had to. And, uh, you know, even, even leading up to the game, the last couple of weeks when the, when the dolphins and Panthers were named our staffs from the, from the league office, you know, they had some input as well on how we, uh, you know, could do things a little differently. So took that feedback and, and really in the last couple of weeks changed it again. Um, but it was great. It, it couldn't have, it couldn't have come off any better. We, you know, we get, administered over 3,600 uh, COVID tests to all the NFL guys, tested every day they were here, um, and they tested prior to arrival, and so did the players, and they tested every day, So, um, and only one positive test. Um, so the great thing was that um, we, we really felt confident in our plan to pull it off safely. If we, if we didn't feel good about that, we would have never, you know, pursued it. But once we got to the point where we, we felt like we, do, we could do it safely, we, it was full steam ahead. Um, and then it, you know, to execute it and get through the week the way we did was uh, was great. Very, very rewarding to see it all come together. Well, you guys crushed it. It was an awesome year. I mean, congratulations on uh, just pulling that off with all those challenges for sure. And um, I've enjoyed the Senior Bowl for many years. Been to Mobile to check it out as a fan uh, many times. But I know, like that that process ends for me. I leave the stands and I go back to my house. It's not quite as simple for you. I'm sure you're already starting on 2021. What's that process look like? Uh, yeah, we haven't started yet. We're kind of, you see on the TV behind, we're still reviewing tape from this year's game, getting through all that. Um, and then I start up with doing some ESPN stuff between now and the draft. So I got to start catching up on the juniors that weren't eligible for our game. You know, the, um, I've seen Trevor Lawrence a ton, but you know, the BYU quarterback, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields really kind of get up to speed on those guys. Um, and then our, our guys working in-house, our scouting assistants, they'll uh, they'll jump on the 2022 game stuff here probably in the next couple weeks. Um, that's I, I believe that's when we started on this year's game was, you know, the tail end of February, right before the combine. So, yeah, we'll get we'll get cranked up. We're going to wipe the board clean and get all these tags off of it and uh, start going on next year. 
Speaking of next year, I, I know I had my tickets. I was getting ready to come down to Mobile, Alabama. I'm Canadian, so you know international travel wasn't really there. But one of the yeah. things that you guys did this year was open up a virtual um, media type room, and that, you got the X's, O's, all that kind of stuff. I know I got myself credentialed, to make sure to watch all this game film, which was fantastic. I think that was a a great addition to everything. But the one thing I'm probably missing more than anything is a look at this nice stadium that you got. You guys got to play in this year. Before the balls even kicked off, the first thing I noticed was that stadium in South Alabama. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you like the virtual credential thing. We're, we're, pro- we're probably going to keep that in place. That was the interesting thing is we had to change a lot of what we did with the game, and there's been a lot of positive feedback. I mean, from your end, that's we've heard that before, which is great. Um, and then the teams, even like the interview format, it's it's usually been very unstructured where scouts can just come, you know, coaches and scouts kind of flood the hotel and they're grabbing guys left and right. And uh, we made it a lot – we had to make it a lot more structured this year. Every player got with every team for 15 minutes um, over the convention center. Each team had their own little pod set up, um, totally socially distanced with plexiglass and the whole nine yards. Um, but the teams love that. So we're going to keep that in place this year where it's not going to be quite the rat race. But, um, yeah, back to the stadium, it was phenomenal. Um, Lad Stadium served our game really well for over 70 years. But that being said, it was over 70 years. Um, the stadium, you know, the stadium – out at South Alabama, brand new, $75 million stadium, incredible amenities. Um, 16 teams had suites um, that they used all week during the week, very similar to what they're used to at the Combine. So they're up there, and they've got indoor-outdoor seating, flat-screen TVs, catered food. Um, and then for our players, you know, the locker room facilities were incredible. The field was great. Um, and for fans, you're right. You're, you're really more on top, right on top of the action here than you would be at Ladd Stadium. So – um, yeah, we were excited about the move. It looked great on TV. Um, it looked great in person. And I uh, just can't wait to next year where we, we can pack it full of 25,000 uh, people on, on Saturday. You, you mentioned the interviews with the players, and we've all heard about stories about, you know, some of those questions that'll get thrown at them that are curveballs. Well, we've got our own version of a curveball question that we like to throw at our guest. So let's just say you are a wrestling uh, pro wrestler, something like that, and uh, one of the professional federations or you're playing baseball and you're a closer and it's time for you to come out the music hits for you to go up to the mound or go down to the ring what's that music that you want playing um it would probably be something metallica um you know creeping death or something like that from metallica um there's there's a bunch of good ones my son and i who's a baseball player um, we've talked about like what walk up what his walk up music would be if he ever got to a level where they did cool walk-up music. But, uh, I mean, yeah, off the top of my head, I'd probably go, go something from Metallica. Just to take that one step further, Senior Bowl ends. You can sit back and relax now. What's that song that's coming on right now? Oh, we've, uh, you know, there's a, it's a diverse playlist here in the office, right? Today we were listening uh, when we were watching tape as a group. We had Michael McDonald on because it's his birthday. So we were honor, honoring Michael McDonald. So we, uh, but it runs the gamut here from, from hip hop to Michael McDonald to um, a lot of 90s stuff, you know, for I was in college in the 90s. So a lot of uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers and things like that. And then, uh, and then when, when we really got to get after it, we go, to the, we go to the harder stuff like Metallica. So one thing I want to look at here is you're now the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. Um, 
I can't think of anyone better to run that ship after watching the last couple of years where this is going on. We touched back uh, last year. I think there was 86 players uh, that were drafted, 80 in the first three rounds. I would expect that number to even be higher this year. Um, I don't know. I'm not a scout, but I'm thinking GMs who make these final decisions like to get a good look at the players before they draft them. And really, this year more than any, the Senior Bowl gives these g- general managers, these decision makers, that opportunity to see someone Whereas some of these other players, the juniors, they might not get an opportunity to see in person. So that may affect the draft stock somehow, maybe. I don't know how that's going to go into it. But just kind of talk about your path to uh, Mobile, Alabama there. We've got scouting throughout the NFL, scouting through college. You've done a lot of scouting in your day. Yeah, yeah, I have. But but bringing it back to you, the, your intro there about uh... – you know, the NFL guys and live impressions being important. And that, that was kind of the sell to all these guys in this year's class is that without no com- without a combine and with, with pro days being affected, um, these guys, these GMs are, are guys that I broke into scouting with. They're, they're all friends of mine. They're all just normal guys, right? It's human nature to kind of want to f- surround yourself with, with people you're familiar with. So um, what they didn't have the opportunity to do this fall was get out to see college games. Um, you know, they're, when you're at that level, when you're a decision maker, you're traveling with your team on Sunday. So they couldn't go to a game on Saturday and then re-enter their team's bubble and go to the game on Sunday. There was only one GM that I know of across the league that I've, I've spoken to that went to the games. And then he had to quarantine until Tuesday of that week just to get back in his team's building. So um, this was really the decision maker's first chance to eyeball any of these guys up close. So that week-long exposure uh, was huge for those guys. So that's that's really what, why we wanted to make the week happen. We knew the scouting process was really compromised on the NFL side. And then for these players, um, you know, it's going to be such a weird process. We tried to, at least with our game, try to make it as normal as we could make it um, for these guys and their draft process. Um, you know, to me personally, yeah, I've been scouting since I, I got out of college, really. Um, my first job was with the Packers in 96. Um, there weren't any scouting internships back then, so you, their only foot in the door was – through PR. Um, and I got really lucky to get a job in Green Bay. Uh, we won the Super Bowl that year. It was a great experience being around that team. Uh, made some great friends there. There was five future GMs on that on Ron Wolf's staff then. Um, and, you know, became close to the bunch of those guys. And that kind of got me. John Schneider got me going as a as an area scout in uh, Washington a couple of years after that. So, yeah, it was a it was a great journey in the NFL. Um, I was really, really fortunate to be around a lot of a lot of smart football people and learn from a lot of a lot of smart guys. Um, and I was also really, you know, really lucky to be with teams that had good quarterbacks. You know, being with Tom Brady, being with Russell Wilson, um, Brett Favre, had a chance to uh, to win a lot of games and just feel feel really blessed by it. But then when this opportunity came up, I was living in Mobile. It's my wife's hometown. We've been here since 2007, and uh, it was just an opportunity for me to grow a little bit. You know, when you're in scouting, you're you're traveling the country and you're watching tape and you're writing reports. But uh, this job allows me to wear uh, more hats and kind of diversify, you know, my own skill set and then also stay at home. It was really a family decision. Like I brought up my son earlier. He's in high school now playing high school sports. And uh, when you're a scout, you're on the road, you know, almost 200 nights a year. So you miss a lot. You really miss a lot. And uh, so I've got a son and a daughter. And uh, the last three years I've been around for a lot more than I would have been around for um, had I stayed in the NFL. What's that car ride back from a game like with your son? Like, is he like nervous about like you know the scouting that you did on him that day, or is? Uh... 
Yeah, he, he's been a big basketball, baseball guy. And, uh, you know, he played football one year in sixth grade and then gave it up for like three years. He finally picked it back up last year as a sophomore and, and loved it. And uh, I think part of it was that. I think part of it was he, he, he didn't want the expectation level of, of uh, what people might have on him because of what his dad did for a living. And talking to a lot of guys that work in football, it's pretty common. Um, you'll, see, you'll see kids go the other way just because they don't, they don't want to be viewed that way. But no, it was great. It's great that he picked it back up. He had a great mm. sophomore year. And uh, I'm already looking forward to his junior year. It's fun watching him. When you've been doing scouting as long as yourself and people like you, do you find yourself scouting even at the the, the grocery store? Like it's the way someone's grabbing the sugar off the top shelf, like just the little things. You're like, oh, I don't know if I'd do it that way. You you do, yeah. Sadly enough, you do find yourself in that mode a little <laughs> bit. Um, you know, really, it comes to body typing. Like I notice guys that have short arms and things of that nature. Like it's hard to it's hard to break out of that mold. Um, but just like reading body language and um, you know when I see interviews on TV, like just yeah, just all the little things that go into into scouting. You do sadly find yourself. Um, it's hard to break out of that mode. So I can just imagine you at your son's baseball game. The other pitcher's on there. He's grabbing the baseball, ready for that fastball. Like, ooh, no, those hands. Those are only eight and three quarter hands. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if I'm judging the the little guys like that, <laughs> but uh, when I do go to high, I, it's hard to turn it off when you watch football. It's it's really hard to sit and watch a game, um, and just and that's why. Like the, the thing my son and I like to watch now is Michigan basketball because I went to school at Michigan and uh, it's hard for me to, to, to watch any college football uh, or pro football without the, through the lens of a scout. So our, our thing now is just watching Michigan hoops. As a dad of a couple of uh, travel baseball players, I can tell you people way less qualified than you are making those judgments on uh, those little guys <laughs> all the time. Um, yeah, the travel baseball thing is uh, we've spent a lot of a lot of summer, a lot of hot summers down here in Louisiana and Mississippi and Florida. Um, yeah, those can be some long weekends. That's where I am. I'm in uh, Louisiana. So, yeah, that's uh, we do a lot of baseball around here. But, you know, I, I think one of the things that's kind of interesting is like the passion that fuels you behind that. Like, so if you weren't in scouting, what do you think you would be doing right now? I, I have no idea. I really don't. I don't know what I'd be doing. I, I kind of threw myself at, at this thing when I was, you know, right out of college, like I said. But I, people have asked me, how did you get into it? And I really feel like my only advantage was that I knew I wanted to do it from the time I was probably seven or eight years old. Um, something about the draft process just captivated. My, my dad was a high school coach, um, never really got bit by the coaching bug. It was more to me, what intrigued me more was the team building part of it. So uh, yeah, I've just kind of had a one track mind from the time I was a little kid. And this is what I always wanted to do. So um, I've been very fortunate that I've, I've been able to make a career out of it. So you talk about making this career. We, we've kind of, like, when you were scouting, you're in those big war rooms. There's a lot of nervous energy that probably goes on there. What's worse, those war rooms or the PTA meetings that you've kind of exchanged those for? <laughs> um, I haven't been any PTA meetings. That's still that still falls on my wife. Um, God bless her. She still does most of that stuff. But uh, yeah, there is nervous energy on on draft day um, for sure. You know, when you're on the clock and there's a player that that your team is really targeted that you really want, and then he goes like right before you pick. I mean, those are that's happened and that's uh you, but you got to get over that quickly and that's been good training for me in this job is that you know what'll happen is we'll have guys committed to come to the senior bowl 
And then, uh, you know, someone will get in their ear. I won't point fingers, but people get in these guys' ears and, and tell them, oh, you don't need to come. You don't need to go do that. Um, and we've had guys pull out the morning. They were supposed to, you know, be on a plane to come to Mobile. So, but it's just kind of that, that whole, okay, well, let's shift our focus. You can't get bogged down in, in any of that. If, if they make a bad decision like that, that's on them. We got to find the next player. So um, it, it has been good training for this job. And it was fantastic to see Devonta Smith, Najee Harris, Mac Jones, the Surrett brothers make that commitment to the Senior Bowl, even though it was late in the process. It's kind of a welcomed addition when they go from, like you said, guys dropping out before they're supposed to get on the plane to guys wanting to get in there and feeling that they need to get in there to talk to these guys, especially if you're a player like Najee Harris and Coach Flores is there. They could use a running back and kind of not saying that that's where they go, but that personal interaction with Coach Flores with some of these Alabama players was probably a big th reason why they ended up coming up. And uh, Coach Rule and Flores are both guys that I think I'd run through a wall for both of them. Yeah, we were we were really really lucky to get uh, Flo and and Matt coach this year's game. I mean, they're you know Coach Flores is a really good friend of mine from our time in New England. I've known Matt since he was a GA at UCLA back in like 2000, 2001. So um, those guys were awesome. It was, it was just like being around friends for the week and working together. It was, it was, it was a blast, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's why we, we put Devonte and Najee with the dolphin squad because right. Why would we put them with the Panthers when they have Christian McCaffrey? So uh, yeah, it was a different year. Like we're not going to make a habit of bringing injured players to the senior bowl. That was kind of a one-year exception. I've let all the agents know that. Uh, because this was a different year, in a normal year, you know, Devontae and Najee and Landon Dickerson and Charles Snowden from Virginia, Trey Sermon from Ohio State, like those guys could have, you know, went to the Combine and connected with teams there and done their interviews and then go to Pro Day and connect there. But this was really their only opportunity to connect with all 32 teams. So in a different year, we just felt like we needed to do the right thing. And, uh, and that was to bring those guys here. So um, yeah, it, it worked out great for those guys. They got to spend time with those teams and connect with them and go into meetings with the position coaches. Um, and, and I feel like they got a lot of the week. And uh, it was great having all those guys here. They were phenomenal. So one of the things I'm always interested in is we've all watched the movie Draft Day. Probably doesn't quite work out like that, but that's kind of like a, a thing. Now, before every draft, I have to put on Kevin Costner's Draft Day. Uh, do you have any kind of uh, near and dear stories that you're willing to share? Or is there that guy that you absolutely pounded that table? Like this guy, no matter what, you you have to get him. You get in your GM's ear and you're like, we need to get this guy or any kind of fun stories that you would mind sharing. Um, first of all, I've never seen draft. Day. I fell asleep during it and I never picked it back up. So I need to do that. People ask me about that movie all the time and I still haven't finished it. Um, but no, I mean, the reason you do this job is to have conviction. I mean, you work all fall and you work through the process to April to have conviction on a player. It's your, you know, I tell all, you know, young scouts, you know, it's how we train our guys in here is like you, you're being paid to have a strong opinion um, one way or the other that you don't want a part of your, you don't want a player as part of your franchise or you do, um, you know, and, and so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of stories about that, but people always ask you know, who's, who's the guy you found or, you know, who do you take credit for? Well, it's such a, it's such a team process. I mean, I'm, especially now, like when I got into scouting, yeah, you might have a, a re, you know, an area scout and an over the top guy and, and maybe the, the college director were the only three guys that have seen a player. But nowadays, by the time you draft a player, seven, eight, nine people have looked at that guy. So 
um, where you where you really as a scout, where you where you take a lot of satisfaction from and where you really have to do a good job is on the on the on the character side of it. Um, you know, there's going to be people at the facility, you know, whether it be, you know, director level guys or, or you know, the position coaches, coordinators, they're going to have the tape. They're going to watch the tape, you know, but you're the only one with your boots on the ground, per se, um, you know, that's going around your part of the country that might be in Tuscaloosa three times in the fall. You're the one that has those relationships. Those guys don't. Um, so you're the one that has to figure that guy out. So to me, um, you know, I always put it on myself. If a player shows up at the, you know, to our team, we draft a player and he doesn't pan out. Um, yeah. I mean, you, you want to get the player right too, but that's an organizational decision. What always drove me was if the player shows up and he's not what I said he was as a person or as, you know, like what he was going to be in the building, like that was that to me, that was, I put that all on me. Um, and my biggest fear was, you know, our head you know, going to training camp one year and our head coach pulling me aside and saying, Jim, you know, you, you said this player was going to do this, this, and this, and he's, he's not, he's not what you said he was going to be. Um, so it, it's a collective group effort and there's a, there's a lot of stories, but um, kind of what's, you know, what, what happens in the draft room stays in the draft room. Um, you know, that's kind of a sanctuary and it, you don't really want to share a lot of that stuff. You, you mentioned them before, but talk about your group. So you, you got the first ever, you know, senior bowl scouting team there. What's why, why was that important for you to build? Yeah. Cause it, I feel like it legitimizes us, right? Like we, you know, we, we need to do our own work. Um, you know, we got tape in the office for the first time, you know, three years ago when I got here, we can download anything that the teams do from the NFL dub center. The NFL was great about, we had to be written into their contract and they were, they were great with that process and then, uh, you know, hiring scouts from around the country, um, it's guys that, that are out of work. You know, every, everyone that's worked for us has had a connection to the NFL. Has that been, been in the NFL at one point? Either as a player, as a scout, guys that I've been connected to on the road over the years. And you work in football long enough, you're, you're going to lose your job. It's just, it's just going to happen. You know, I mean, nobody goes through a career where they don't get let go working in football. So I really wanted to create this as kind of a soft landing spot for guys for a year come work for us, you know, whether you're under contract or not, you know, um, the great, the perfect scenario is when guys are still under contract for a year, right? Cause we, we don't have the, uh, the wherewithal to pay them like the NFL teams do. Uh, but to have these guys around the country going to games on Saturdays, that's a big part of how we built up our social media presence was through the, uh, you know, the pre pregame videos that we do during the fall. And then, uh, you know, and then just including the, the NFL in our process, part of our, and what we do is we have these formal calls set up with guys around the league. Um, you know, it's easy for me to call friends and, and that's one way to do it, but to really set in, you know, formal calls with like GM director level guys where we'll go across the board position by position, you know, here's the eight guys we've already invited on the offensive line. Here's, you know, maybe we got three spots open. Here's the guys we like, you know, who do you like? Do you like anyone out of that group? Is there someone from outside that group? So really including the NFL formally in our process has been big too. So um, just so we're not going to them constantly fishing names out, you know, we need to do our own work and that's important to us. You kind of briefly mentioned there how this is growing on and on every year and legitimizing the event and stuff. I think this is the first year ever we've seen it actually trending on Twitter just to kind of combine the two worlds of the social media aspect of things and where the senior bowl is going. It was actually trending on Twitter. I don't know if that's something that's been done before or not, but that's a huge step, I think, for what you guys are trying to grow over there. 
Yeah, you know, it started off with those pregame videos, trying to connect with the players and recruit the players because we can't recruit them. We can't, you know, it's it's not like a college recruiting process where we've got, you know, millions and millions of dollars where I can just cross 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 the country on a private jet going to games. I mean, it doesn't work that way. So, um, and frankly, the head coaches don't want their players worrying about the pre-draft process during the fall either. So we have to be hands off with those guys. That's why having scouts at the games and posting those videos, these kids are live on their phones right now. You know, all these players do. My son does. Your kids do. Um, so so for them to see that we're interested, that we're at the games um, and, and we're taking stock in what they're doing was, was a big part of it. But, uh, yeah, our social presence just, uh, you know, not even going back to when we first got here, but even the last year in the month of January to 2020, mm -hmm. Um, between my personal account and the Senior Bowl Twitter account, we had 12 million impressions. Um, in this January, January 2020, we had 74 million impressions. So um, the growth has been exponential. And, uh, you know, I, I really think it's I, I think it's necessary for us to get the players we need to get and also raise the exposure of the game because it's been a great event for a long, long time. Um, and, uh, you know, we've never really marketed to fans. I'm just trying to get the word out to fans, like what this week is. You know, everyone the, like the combine is this big spectacle, but you don't get any interaction with those players um, here. You do. You can go to practice as you guys have been down here and you're standing 10, 10 feet from the drills. Um, you, you walk up and down Dolphin Street, which is right outside our office here where all the bars and restaurants are. And you can you can pull into one of the bars and there's three head coaches drinking beer at the bar together. So um, just trying to get that message out, you know, through through social media, what this what this week's about and what a great fan event it is. I can't wait. I I want to get down there next year for sure. Uh, I look out my window right now with the wind chill. It's minus forty five. I'm Woo! pretty confident it's not like that down there right now. So I <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. But you talk about do you guys actively seek these players or do they kind of come to you? And then kind of the story of the Senior Bowl was Gut himself and what he came from a D three. How how did he get involved into the whole process? Like. You mentioned these videos and these kids watching that, and you can't really actively recruit them. Is this more of a, hey, Jim, uh, my player would really like to come to the Senior Bowl. Like, what's that process? Like, this will be like, the last question for you, but how, how do you get these players into the building? Yeah, I mean, we start them? out – yeah, it's a really good question. We start out – we'll start out this spring for next year, and we'll look at every FBS senior. Um, if they're a starter or a role player, if he's a third wide out, if he's a third nickel corner, um, if they get on the field in a significant role, we're going to evaluate those guys uh, moving, moving into the summer. Um, then what we do is we go through all the small school lists, all the all conference lists, all American lists, um, and kind of, kind of, you know, we post up, we, we do something over the summer called small school Saturday, and we'll post a bunch of names that we, we've looked at and we're interested in. Quinn Miners was actually, um, one of those guys from Whitewater last year. So, you know, that's kind of our process. And then as we work through the fall, that obviously changes. Guys guys come out of nowhere and pop up or they grad transfer and they get an opportunity at a new school. So it's, you know, it's, it's a kind of an you know, evolving process. But, uh, yeah, to Quinn Miners, uh, it was a great example of uh, – it's really unique. I'll say that. It was, uh, you know, he's a Division three player. They don't have a season. So he bets on himself. He opts out. He signs with an agent. He uh, and I've said it before, like I, I would not have invited Quinn Miners off his 2019 Whitewater tape. It just wasn't 
it wasn't above, you know, it wasn't to the level we would have wanted it. Yeah, he was a good player at that level, but to me, not like a, a dominant one. Um, he was, yeah, I think Quinn and I laughed about it when he came down here. He really worked hard during the quarantine to transform his body. You know, like that gut was a, a nice hard gut when he was here in Mobile. It was, it was more of a loose, sloppier gut uh, when you watched him in 2019. And he worked with the Watt brothers, TJ and JJ, over the summer in Madison. He worked really hard to reshape his body. And because I give the agent a lot of credit, Ron Slavin did a great job. Um, I've known Ron a long time, does a great job for his players. And he just kept, kept sending me videos throughout the course of the fall of, of Quinn working down in Dallas with Duke Manaweather, who's one of the best offensive line guys out there. Um, he was working with Rayshon Slater from Northwestern. Who's, you know, he's going to be a first-round pick. So to see some of the drill work where Rayshon and Quinn were working side by side um, and seeing his body continue to firm up and, and look more fit, um, it was kind of, a, you know, kind of a process all the way up till a couple weeks before the game. We had a couple centers um, go down, Landon Dickerson being one of them. Josh Myers, a junior from Ohio State, um, had a turf toe coming out of the national championship, was a, which is a bad injury for an offensive lineman. Um, so we needed a center and, you know, kind of rolled the dice with Quinn. I did not know what it would look like. Um, you really want to you want to you want to bring these guys to the game and, and offer them based off their tape. Um, but in Quinn's case, we, we kind of had to roll the dice based off the off the workout stuff. And so for him to come here and, you know, kick butt the way that he did, it was uh, it's an awesome story. I'm really happy for Quinn. He's a he's a phenomenal young guy and uh, he took advantage of, of his opportunity. And. His story just kept going as the Senior Bowl game went on, too, because I believe he injured himself during the game, and he kept on going just to kind of show the character of uh, Quentin himself, right? Yeah, he, he uh, broke his thumb in Thursday's practice. He wanted to play in the game. He wanted to cast it up and play, play guard instead of, you know, just play. He was just going to play guard is what he wanted to do. And uh, Coach Flores did not want to play him. Um, and like I, I've said, that's his team for the week. You know, I – I said, Flo, I'd love to see this kid get in the game. And he's like, Jim, I'm not doing it. So that, that was his team for the week. He can do with, with his roster what he wants. And uh, got to respect that. But Quinn did dress out on game day. He got in full gear. Um, and he, and he, he came in the last two snaps of the game in the uh, victory formation. And it was funny. One snap, he lined up at left tackle. And the other one, he lined up at left guard. So he actually lined up at two positions in the senior bowl. Uh, which was which is cool. I didn't even realize he got in the game until we started watching the tape a couple of weeks ago and saw the kneel downs with Quinn snuck on the field and got in there. So um, he's a he's a really cool kid. Oh, that's fantastic. We're hitting here the thirty minute mark here. Uh, Jim, is there anything you want to kind of throw out there to our viewers right now, uh, Senior Bowl or anything really? No, just that I appreciate all the the fans that take such an interest in in the draft process. You know and and you know, log on our stuff and follow us and follow the stuff we put out. And, uh, you know, it's, it's such a, you know, it, it's it, to see the evolution of this thing. I was never on social media before I got this job ever. I didn't have any account of any kind. So to like, to see like what this is building on, on, you know, on social media, it is, is really cool to see that there's so many more people taking an interest in the process. Um, you know, and then I also say just to reiterate what I said earlier about, um, you know, the, uh, the, the fan, the fan part, the fan component of this game and what this has to offer, you know, last year, we're, we're going to get back to where we were last year with the players Mardi Gras parade and them throwing autographed footballs to kids. And, you know, the free concert we had downtown with the revivalists from over there in Louisiana. 
um, had like 20,000 people downtown Mobile for that. We're, we're talking about adding a second concert. So really just blowing this thing out, making it more of a party environment, um, just sprinkled in with the football. You know, in a normal year, we've got over 900 NFL people here in Mobile. It's not a huge town. So if you walk the streets, you're, you know, everyone in the NFL is here. You're going to see them and uh, you're going to have access to our players. And uh, it's just a great week. So, you know, we're really trying to build this thing out to make it more of a fan event, not just a media and a uh, NFL event. Do you want to plug your TikTok before we go? Nah, I don't have that one yet. <laughs> and I probably never will. <laughs> Well, we just want to thank you for taking the time out of your day to come join us here, talk a little bit about the Senior Bowl, a little bit about the process here. It means a lot to us and a lot to those who are watching right now just to hear from mm -hmm. you and pick up a thing or two. And I know personally myself, looking forward to getting down there next year, uh, probably tackling some of these little kids that are getting autographed balls thrown to them. I'll probably take a few <laughs> of them down. But <laughs> it, it sounds like a fun event. Like I said, I enjoyed myself just getting into the X's and O's and watching the videos here and getting that little bit of a access to the virtual package. But I still don't think you can replace the, I'm still a film guy. I still like getting my eyes on the players and trying to make that a, a evaluation there. But I think you getting there in person is a totally different thing and getting out of this weather here right now <laughs> would absolutely welcome that right now. So Jim uh, from Calvin and myself, thank you very much for joining us on this uh, week's episode of the Viper cast. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Stay warm. And uh, if you make it down here to Mobile next year, give me a heads up and we'll uh, love to connect. Thank you, Jim. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. See you guys.